today have spent the last week in space, not literally, though some of us may have spaced out a time or two, but um, our VBS theme was all about space, space quest, and those songs, uh, those VBS songs have a way of lodging themselves into your mind and into your subconscious even, and you find yourself singing them over and over again. I understand astronaut James A. McDivitt, who orbited the Earth 62 times with Edward H. White II aboard Gemini 4, 
said the following in a talk to the foreign press club in Rome. And I quote, I did not see God looking into my space cabin window as I do not see God looking into my car's windshield on earth. But I could recognize his work in the stars as well as when walking among flowers in a garden. If you can be with God on earth, you can be with God in space as well, end quote. You know, our human minds really cannot fathom what we call space. It's too much for us. But behind space is the creator of space, God himself, which brings us to our topic at hand. And as we continue spending the summer in the Psalms, I want you to turn to Psalm 19, if you haven't already. Psalm 19. And as you're finding this Psalm of David, uh, as we read it, perhaps you'll think and maybe even see in your mind's eye the many nights that the shepherd boy, David, uh, spent out under the starry sky looking up into that vast expanse and uh, thinking about that. And we're not sure exactly when he wrote this, but I want you to notice what he penned. He says in Psalm 19, uh, Psalm of David, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor a language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out to all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them, he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end of heaven and its circuit to the other end. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who, who can understand his errors? Cleanse from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of great transgressions. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. You know, God did not have to create us, but he did. And then God did not have to reveal himself to us, but he does. And that's an awesome thing, beloved. The God of the universe speaks. He reveals himself to us, though we are smaller than a speck when you consider the grand scope of the universe. And this psalm, Psalm 19, shows us the two primary ways in which God reveals himself to mankind. We find, first of all, God revealing himself through his world, through his world. The theologians call this general revelation. 
God revealing himself to mankind, to us, through his world. Now, we can learn a lot about God by going out and looking up into the sky, whether it be the daytime or the nighttime. The Bible says very clearly in verse 1, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Now, the tenses of those words of the Hebrew, the word declare and shows, is the idea of continuance. That is, God continues to declare his glory. He continues to show his handiwork. And we see that in verse number two. Day into day utter speech and night into night reveals knowledge. Day and night, day and night, day and night, day and night. God continually declares and reveals and shows his glory and his handiwork. Now, I'll be honest with you. I, for one, cannot imagine how someone can look at creation. How someone can look at the solar system, how someone can look at anatomy or anything else that God created and deny that there is a creator, deny that there is someone who created all of this. Sir Isaac Newton one time created a replica of our solar system in miniature. And in the center was the sun with its retinue of planets revolving around it. And a scientist entered Sir Isaac Newton's study one day and said, my, what an exquisite thing this is. Who made it? And Sir Isaac Newton said, nobody. Now, his friend who was asking this was an unbeliever. And that unbeliever said, you must think I'm a fool. Of course, someone made it and he is a genius. Sir Isaac Newton laid his book aside. He rose and he laid his hand on his friend's shoulder and he said these words. This thing is but a puny imitation of a much grander system whose laws you and I know. And I'm not able to convince you that this mere toy is without a designer or maker. Yet you profess to believe that the original, the great original for which his design is taken is without either designer or maker. Now tell me, by what sort of reasoning do you reach such incongruous conclusions? I mean, of course, a tiny little model of the solar system has a designer and a maker behind it. How much greater the solar system itself? You see, the creation, the, the heavens, all that we see around us, they show us that there, there must be a creator and he must be mighty in power. He must be mighty in intelligence. He must be a, a, a creator of, of great order and graciousness and wisdom, among other things. And the testimony of an ultimate cause, that is the creator, is revealed to everybody, everyone, everywhere. Everybody gets in on this. Look at verse 3. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. What, is, what kind of voice? Well, the heavens declaring the glory of God, the firmament showing his handiwork, day into day uttering speech, night into night revealing knowledge. Look at verse 4. Their line is going out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. It's rising, it's from one end of heaven, it's circuit to the other end, and there's nothing hidden from its heat. Now, David here in the first part of this psalm focuses on the sun. That is S-U-N, the sun. And sad to say there are those who worship the sun. Beloved, we worship the one who created the sun. 
Now, we all learned in school, I hope, and maybe we haven't forgotten it, that if the earth were a little bit closer to the sun, what would happen? We'd burn up. And if the sun were a little bit further away, the earth were a little bit further away from the sun, what would happen? We would freeze. God put us in a perfect place and put the earth in a perfect location that we might live and thrive and survive. Now, now no matter what language is spoken, no matter what tongue is spoken, the voice of creation speaks loudly. Did you notice, even if someone cannot see the sun, verse number six says at the end, nothing is hidden from its heat. We all experience the creation. We all experience the sun. We all experience what God has done. God speaks through his world. Every person is exposed to this voice. Now, if you like to put notes in your Bible, you can write this reference in the margin. If you don't like to write in your Bible, write on a piece of paper. But listen to what Romans 1, 18 through 20 says. Romans 1, 18 through 20. It's what Paul said later. Romans 1, 18 through 20. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. Listen to verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. See, man's without excuse. God speaks through his creation. God speaks through his world. There's no place, there's no one who is not exposed to God's voice in creation. But God did not stop there. You see, God has revealed himself through his world, but he's also revealed himself through his word. It's what the theologians call special revelation. We might call it biblical revelation. You see, when you're reading Psalm 19, did you notice very abruptly the subject changes? I mean, you get through verse 6, he's talking about the sun and, and all these things. Then very abruptly, he says, the law of the Lord is perfect. And he goes on talking about the law of the Lord. He goes from talking about the sky, talking about the scripture. Now, David did not have the completed word of God like you and I have today. In fact, David was still under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit writing part of the word of God. But he did have the law. And I want you to focus on verses 7 through 9 for a moment. Notice what it says. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Now, I want you to notice as we continue looking at verses 7 through 9, he refers to the law, God's word, as the law of the Lord the testimony of the Lord, the statutes of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, and the judgments of the Lord. And then notice what he says about God's word. He says it's perfect. It's perfect. He says it's sure. It's right. It's pure. It's clean. It's true. It's righteous altogether. These are very familiar verses to me because we used to sing these verses when I was growing up at Bible camp. We would literally sing these verses and I remember singing. I remember the one fellow would hold out the bass notes after every time. Anyway, uh, it, it's sure it's right. It's pure. It's clean. It's true. But then I want you to notice what God's word does. It says here it converts the soul. 
It makes wise the simple. It rejoices the heart. It enlightens the eyes. It endures forever. At verse 11, we're told there that by God's word, the servant is warned. And we're also told if we keep it, there is great reward. Now think about God's word for a moment. All those attributes and what it does and what it is. No wonder he says in verse 10, these words, more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Now, I want you to be honest with yourself. Don't answer out loud. Don't embarrass yourself. But if you had to choose, if I had a gold nugget in one hand and a scriptural nugget in the other hand, which one would you choose? If you're wise, you know what you'd choose? The scriptural nugget. He says they're more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. I had some family in visiting one time, and we took them to the Billy Graham Library uh, here in Charlotte. And we were touring his old home place. If you haven't been there, they've actually moved the house that he grew up in onto the property of the Billy Graham Library. And we were there touring the house, and that day there was a lady there who used to sit with Billy Graham's mother. In fact, this lady is from this area. You may know her. She, go, she went to church in one of our churches and she grew up here. And I, I apologize. I don't remember her name or what church it was. But she, she knew where Red Hill was. And we talked for a little bit there. And she's from this area. And she sat with Billy Graham's mother. And she was telling us about that. And she had a scrapbook there of things that you could look at. And she also had a box. And in the box were stacks of slips of paper rubber banded together, if I remember correctly, exactly how it played out. And she would carefully choose a slip of paper and she consider who you are and so forth. And she would give it to you. Now, the slips of paper were not all the same. She gave them out with very great care. She selected a passage for Danielle. She selected a passage for me and for a slip of paper for the boys. And my mother was there and so forth. And what these slips of paper were, they what they were, they were type verses of Scripture. And she gave them out. Now, the way she went about it, you would have thought she was giving you money. I'm serious. But you know what? She was giving something better than money. She was giving out the word of God. The Bible says that it's more to be desired than gold, yet than much fine gold is sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Now, think about that for a moment. As great as general revelation is, that is the creation as great as that is, when I look up to the sky and I look up to the stars and I'll see the moon and the sun and all the things God's created, it does not reveal to me that I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It also does not reveal to me how I can have a relationship with the one who created all these things. You see, beloved, that is revealed to us, not in the firmament, not in the sky. That's revealed to us in the scripture, the word of God. We're told not only who this creator is, we're told how we can have a relationship with him through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Sir Isaac Newton, again, he once said, I can take my telescope and look millions and millions of miles into space. But I can lay it aside and go in my room, shut the door, get down on my knees in an earnest prayer and see more of heaven and get closer to God than I can assisted by all the telescopes and material agencies on the earth. And he's right. 
You see, just a few moments ago, we talked with the creator of the universe. We talked with God himself. We can only know him through his son, the Lord Jesus. We only know about his son, the Lord Jesus, because of his word. So here's the big question, beloved. How does all this work? If one only has the sky, you know, there are places they don't have the word of God. It's not been translated their language. They've never heard the gospel. If they only have the sky, they only have general revelation. How does that one get to the scripture and to special revelation or scripture revelation? How does that work? Well, beloved, I believe that God sees to it that when one wants to know, they get to know. When one wants to know, they get to know. When they have a desire to know this creator, this one who's behind all these wonderful things, I believe that God sees to it, they get to know. So we have scripture on that. I believe I do. I think there's two particular scriptures we think about. First of all, the story of the wise men. Remember the wise men at Christmas time? Uh, you read about it in Matthew chapter 2. You see a star led to the scripture led, which led to the sun, S-O-N. Say that again. A star led to the scripture which led to the sun. Listen to Matthew 2, 2. Saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east and have come to worship him. Then he dropped down to Matthew 2, 5 and 6. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, oh, the word of God. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Verse 11 of Matthew 2. And when they come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You see, the star led to the scripture, which led to the sun, S-O-N. But then I think there's one that really impacts us. In fact, it was brought up in our Sunday school class today. And that's Acts, Acts chapter 10. The story of Cornelius. I wish we had time to unpack the entire passage, but we do not. But let's just unpack some of it. In Acts chapter 10, I'll begin sharing with you beginning at verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. A centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. Now, listen, he was a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. Verse three says about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid, just like you and I would be and said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for memorial before God. Now, send men to Joppa and send for Simon whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner. And that's interesting, too, when you really unpack all that. He's staying with the tanner. But anyway, whose house is by the sea, he will tell you what you must do. Now, you drop down in Acts chapter 10 to verses 25 and 26. It says this. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. So we understand Cornelius was not right in his theology. He had a desire to know God. He, he, he prayed out. He, he desired to know about God and to worship him. And he says, what? Your prayers have come. The more have come. Go call Simon Peter. He'll tell you what to do. And Peter comes in and Cornelius falls down and begins to worship him. Verse 26 says, but Peter lifted it up saying, stand up. I myself am also a man. 
And then if you get down to the end in chapter 10 of Acts, verses 47 to 48, you read these words. Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized to receive the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. Do you see what happened, beloved? Cornelius acted upon the light that he had, and God saw to it that he was given more light. And ultimately led to the light, the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that as God reveals himself in creation, the ferment, the nature, in his, in his world, and one has a desire to know this creator, when he wants to know, God sees to it that that person gets to know, gets to hear the gospel. Cornelius there had obviously general revelation. He knew some things, but he needed special revelation. He needed to know the word of the Lord. He needed to hear the gospel. And understand how it can be rightly related to God through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen, beloved. God is speaking day unto day, night unto night. Those of us here are blessed. We have not only His general revelation, we have His special revelation. We have His Scripture, His Word before us. God is speaking and continually speaks. Now here's the question. Are we listening. I understand a family sat eagerly before the television set, waiting to see the pictures of the first U.S. moon rocket firing. Now, that was before my time. Some of you may remember that. <clears throat> but they're there and they're eagerly watching this and they heard the rockets hissing and they saw that rocket begin to lift off toward the moon. And they're, man, they're glued to this. And suddenly the tension in the room was interrupted by the voice of a child who bounced in the room and said, I want to see Howdy Doody. <laughs> some of you know who Howdy Doody is, some don't. Well, the family laughed. Howdy Doody was on another channel. But to the little girl, Howdy Doody was more important than man's dream for centuries. To send a rocket to the moon. And as I thought about that, I said, what a picture of so many today. God is speaking. Yet many people, they're more interested in make-believe. This great event is happening. The God of the universe is speaking. We want to be busy with how to do it. Make-believe. How about you? Do you know God today? The creator. The sustainer of life. See, the only way you can know God personally is through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we've fallen short of God's glory. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We can have a relationship with God, but only through the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know Him today? Have you, have you repented of your sin and, and taken Him by faith and called out to Him and asked Him to save you? You see, God speaks. He continually speaks. And perhaps right now he's speaking to your heart through his Holy Spirit. And he desires to bring you into relationship with him through his son. Are you listening? Are you listening? And then there are those today who know the Lord. You have a relationship with him. That's all of grace and mercy, by the way. Praise be to his name. Well, let me ask you a question. 
Is God's word more desirable to you than gold? Yea, than much fine gold. Is God's word sweeter to you than honey and the honeycomb? That's what it is. It's what the Bible says. Psalm 19, verse 10. You see, beloved, we, if we're not careful, can get caught up with howdy duty too. Get caught up with all these things and even the blessings of the Lord. We get so enamored with the gifts that we forget the giver. God is speaking. He continually speaks. He speaks through his word. He speaks through his world. The question is, are you listening? Is your prayer like David's prayer? It's interesting after David considers God speaking to the world and God speaking to the world, what he prays to the Lord. Look at the last part of this psalm and we're done. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. God cleanse me from those things wrong in my life I don't even know about. I don't even know about them. I haven't understood them or recognized them in my life. Cleanse me, Father. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins, arrogantly sinning. Don't let him have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of great transgression. By the way, as one scholar added, you have the witness of the world. You have the witness of the word. But if we live like this, we we are a witness. We're a witness to the world. We live a godly life. And that last verse, which is probably the most well-known, or maybe verse 1 is... Very well known as well. But that last verse, you've often heard perhaps people even pray this. Let the words of my mouth. And the meditation of my heart. Lord, let my lips and my life agree. Let them be acceptable. In your sight. Oh, Lord. My strength. And my redeemer. God is speaking. Are you listening? Father, I thank you that you have spoken and continue to speak. Thank you for creating us. And then, Lord, providing a way of redemption for us when we failed and sinned against you. Thank you for revealing yourself to us. Now, Father, I pray If anyone here today does not know Jesus Christ, as we have this invitation hymn, I pray they'd come and allow us to take your word and point them to Jesus. Father, I pray for those here today who know you, but yet are so enamored with the things of this world, they don't consider your word Sweet, precious, and valuable like they once did. Forgive us, O God, and help us to realize just how awesome and wonderful, beautiful and powerful your word is. That it warns us and it rewards us. And it's better, it's greater than the finest of gold or the sweetest honey. I pray your Holy Spirit right now to work and move 
in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning is 187. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. He walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. Perhaps you're here today and you don't know Jesus. We sing here, so I'm asking you to just come down and let me know that. I'll put you with someone who will take a Bible and share Jesus with you. Maybe you're here today and maybe you realize you are busy and preoccupied and you prefer howdy-doody. And those types of things over God's precious word. Perhaps you want to come today and talk to the Lord about that. The altar is open. The invitation is open. You come 187 in the garden. Let's stand and sing.